I tell people that they uh, it's kind of a, uh, a, a out of the box way to answer people. They're like, "How are you doing today?" Grand, and you? And they're always, you know, it's like they're expecting you to say fine, you know, and so they're always going, "Grand, huh? Okay, that's yeah, cool, okay." So it's always a grand week when God's on the throne, right? And, uh, especially when He's on the throne in spite of everything that you hear, see, think, or feel, right? So, awesome. So, that means that you are answering me with all kinds of ambiguity when I ask how grand your week was. So, this depends on your perspective. Jesus, we thank you uh, so much for um, just watching over us and how you have protected us, how you've led us, how you provided for us. Uh, God, uh, the psalmist said that uh, I once was young and now have old, and yet never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor seen begging bread. God, and that that is our testimony, God, that you have never let us down and that you have never failed us. And God, we just thank you this morning for your word, for this place to gather and, and hear what you have to say. And I just pray that you just organize my thoughts this morning, God, to really bring forth what you are wanting to say. God, uh, not to make it look like I have my duckies in a row, God, but to bring forth your word, God, to your people, God, as you would have it done. In, in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, go with me to Ecclesiastes 5. It's one of those little tricksy books that's like, I know where that is. No, I don't. Right before Isaiah, I believe. Yep. Yep, I went looking for it yesterday. Like, yep, I know where that's at. <laughs> kind of dug around for a while. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I've always enjoyed this book. Um, it it kind of, you know, I've, I've heard it described as having a pessimistic tone. Uh, because it talks so much about the vanity of, of life and, and the vanity of, of all these things in life. Um, but I like how it's, it goes through all these things about wisdom and foolishness and and, um, and having purpose in life. And it sums it all up by saying that of everything that I just said, here's the sum of it. You know, fear God and keep the commandments. And so that's... Uh, um, I, I like that because, of course... Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon, and it's like it distilled all of the wisdom that he put in in Proverbs, all the wisdom that he put in Ecclesiastes. It kind of just distills it down to this this one thing: fear God and keep the commandments. Um, but uh, here in Ecclesiastes five, um, I I was talking about one of these scriptures that I'm going to read with somebody the other day, and uh, uh, and kind of had to get my mirror out while I was talking about it, and I thought, man, it's like that, that would be a great scripture for Sunday. Uh, so uh, in verse 1, it says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Um, so um, it's interesting, the word keep and the word hear are not, necessarily 
the same word. They're not necessarily, they don't share a root any, or anything like that. Uh, but they both have carried this sense of, of paying attention. You know, because you can hear what somebody said with your ears and not actually perceive it. Uh, yesterday, I was trying to um, focus. And so I was like sitting in my office, I got the door closed, and, and I'm reading the Psalms. And um, I've never been one to read out loud to myself. Uh, I prefer to read silently, faster. And, uh, but my brain was like bouncing around everywhere. And, and there's a little bit of background noise in the outside the room. And so I was just reading it out loud. And even still, I realized after a while, I was, I was reading this thing out loud, but I was not getting any of it. I was totally thinking about something else. And uh, I don't know about you, but every Wednesday I come in here like harried and like at the last second and got all these you know, cares of the world and everything kind of bouncing around in my mind. And it usually... Even after the song service, I'm usually still like take like the first ten minutes of the sermon to really quit thinking about everything else and focus down on what Ron is talking about. So, um, you know, so there there is that uh, that sense of of really you can hear what someone said and not not get it at all. Um, so, you know, heeding would be a good word to heed what God is saying would be not only to hear what He said but to um, to take it, take it in, to internalize it, to take it seriously, and make application to it. Um, so, like this word "keep" is like to observe, uh, or to guard, or to hear. So, um, you know, the the psalm. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures in Psalm 119 said, "Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word." So. Um, it's easy in life to not always pay attention to what we're doing, pay attention to where we're going, and uh, um, and it's you know in our society nowadays it's so easy to be doing several things at once, and uh, I developed this really bad habit that I had to break of standing in my kitchen eating chips uh, while reading the news on my phone. And I would get all involved in what I was reading, and I would, I would kind of surface mentally from my phone and realize I just ate like almost that entire bag of chips. Ooh. You know, and and uh, you know, it's like, you know, it's like cue the fat kid shaming, you know, and it's like ah, so, uh, you know, and if you'd like to eat a whole bag of chips, I am totally with you. That's awesome, but. Um, it did not do well for me as a kid. Anyway, um, but my point is, is it's like I was focused on this thing over here, not paying any attention to this thing over here, and they're both happening. So, uh, you know, and so God uh, uh, admonishes us in wisdom to pay attention to what we're doing. If you're doing something dangerous, for example, you want to pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, I, I was pathetic in shop class in junior high, just pathetic. Um, 
I remember we had this project to do, and I kind of wandered around the shop helplessly, like, I don't get this. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. I don't, I, yeah, I don't get it. And, you know, of course, you have all the all the kids in there with their hats backwards and the chains on their wallets and stuff, and they're like, yeah, and they're like making all this cool stuff. That was not me. The, uh, yeah. The shop teacher took an exception to me wearing a hat one day, and I think he just really liked my hat because he confiscated it, and I never, ever saw it again. It was a pretty expensive hat. I was mad. But uh, um, I, I would be curious to see if he still has it. But uh, anyway, um, I remember it was coming down to, like, crunch time on this project. We're making a cutting board. You know, not terribly complex, but it was beyond me. And so he literally made my cutting board for me. So to this day, my mother has a cutting board that our shop teacher made in junior high that she still uses. So apparently it's you know, worked. But um, So that, that was not really my thing. And, and I paid attention to the stuff that he said, but it was like just kind of bouncing off. But, you know, the, my, my point is, uh, you thought I forgot, is that if you're doing something dangerous like working, with saws and and things like that, you have to pay attention to what you're doing or you could end up being like nine-fingered Frodo and you don't want that. So, you know, driving, that's why you don't um, dig around on your phone while you're driving down the road uh, because you can uh, look up and um, realize it's too late to miss something. I mean, there's all kinds of things in life that we have to just pay attention to what we're doing. And so, so what God tells us is that uh, pay attention to your life and, and how am I living? How am I spending my time? What do, I, what do I do with the Word of God? What do I do with the things that, that God brings to me? And what do I do with this relationship that I have with Him? So He says, keep your foot when you go to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. So he doesn't really say what the sacrifice of fools is here, but I think you can kind of infer from the way he has said this, he, he, it, because he's comparing the sacrifice, giving the sacrifice of fools with being ready to hear. So to me, this seems to be implying that the sacrifice of fools would be to not hear, and and uh, and so sometimes. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we just come in and um, we we don't like what God has to say. And so we kind of find ourselves humming the Star Spangled Banner with our fingers in our ears and uh, and not paying attention to what it is that he's saying because we just don't like it. And um, I don't know about you, but I, I, for one, really, really hate having somebody tell me something I really don't want to hear about something that I should be doing differently or that I should stop doing or that I need to do that I don't want to. Um, uh, so, um, and if you, you know, if you want to really have a, like a hands-on real-time experience with that, um, hire like a life coach or something and they will push you and push you and push you until you want to explode. But uh, but they will tell you things you don't want to hear, and so or or just just be here every time the door is open. I can guarantee you 
that at some point or another, God will tell you something you don't want to hear. Um, so, uh, and it says here um, that these the, the fools, it says they consider not that they do evil. And this is the word no. Like they don't even know that what they're doing is, is, is evil. Uh, it says, be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and now upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. So so it's like he's saying, don't come to hear what God has to say with a bunch of words ready to, to, to rebut what he has to say or to, to argue with. You know, I mean, I think we've all, you know, read in the book of Gabadiah before. It's like, well, yeah, but I, uh, you know, this and that and the other thing, and it's—it's uh, uh, it's, um, one of the—and it, it's a classic thing with someone who doesn't want to hear is they're not actually listening to what is being said; they're planning their next rebuttal. And so, if you're thinking about what you're getting ready to say, you're not really listening to what they said and uh, you know the Bible says that um, that if you answer a matter before you hear it that that's a foolish thing uh, it, it's like trying to finish someone's sandwich I mean sentence you know it's like I, I knew what you were going to say except I totally didn't and uh, and so you come up with the wrong conclusion and end up looking like a doofus so um, so sometimes we, we come in and God has something to say to us and uh, and we have uh, we have all these these words that we want to throw throw up to be like well yeah but here's why I did that and you know self justification here and and, and self righteousness there and uh, and all that um, and um, I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of somebody that you saw as being worthy of being honored or 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 you were intimidated by them for some reason like maybe they were well known or something and you you kind of don't want to really say anything because you don't want to come off like that guy or you know or just, you know be foolish or or whatever um, and so I, I kind of that's kind of what I think of when I hear this like God is in heaven and you're on the earth so let your words be few now this is, uh, is the scripture that I was I was talking about with somebody earlier this week because um, it's 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 an, and it's interesting that he places it here but he says a dream comes through the multitude of business and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. In fact, when I spouted this off at them, I was like, yeah, you know, in the Proverbs it says that a dream comes through the multitude of business and I went looking for it. It's not there because it's here. And so you know for this word dream just means dream. Just like I went to sleep and I had this dream that I was, you know, flying. Or I had this dream that came from God that was prophetic and, and uh, was telling me this, that, and the other thing. Um, you know, so all those kinds of things. And, of course, we use the word dream to, you know, to mean some kind of um, goal whether fluffy or otherwise, that we kind of have that we hope to do someday. You know, I, I, I grew up with this dream 
of of being like a professional author, like that was going to be my thing that I did for a living. And um, somehow or another, I mean, I had buried that because I realized as uh, when I was in my 20s that that wasn't really going to happen. And then somehow I dug it back up over the last year or two. And when I kind of began to approach trying to write something, I realized, wow, I totally can't do this. It's like I don't have the time, I don't have the mental bandwidth or honestly the talent to do this, so I'm just going to have to let this go. And uh, and it's funny because it was hard to like just put this little dream aside, but it's like I realized I, you know, even if I had nothing to do, I have better things to do with my time than, than try and work, spend this much time on such a time-intensive hobby. So... So I, I, I set that aside. But so a dream then, you know, a dream could be anything like that, you know. And of course, God has a dream for your life, a plan for your life, and and we all have this dream of being what God wants us to be, right? It's like that's why we're here. That's why you showed up for the additional service on Sunday morning, is because you you wanted something from God, and uh, so it says that a dream comes through the multitude of business. Um, and I've always thought this scripture was cool because, of course, I am in a business, and and it's like, wow, yeah, actually, I had this idea of what my life could be, and uh, and running this business has gone a long way to making it like that. But um, but that's not really what the word means. It doesn't mean like a business, like something that you make money with. This um, uh, this word actually only uh, appears in the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, about ten times or so. And there's only one other place that it's translated business. Um, everywhere else, it's translated travail. But again, it only, as I say, it only appears here in this book. Uh, which, and, and of course, travail is like this theme of this book, going through all these tough things. And when... And, and you put that with all the, the this is vanity and that's vanity that he talks about, and uh, and you can you know, when you're travailing, it feels like well this is vain, it's like this is like the most worthless thing I could have done with my time. I I would much rather you know be doing something fun. Um, but God tells us that you know to get where you're going. You are going. You can count on going through a multitude of business. And I like the word business because sometimes it is a travail to to, to run a business. But it's, um, you know, I mean, if you have, you know, if you if you have to go pay your like property taxes for your car and get get a new tag or whatever, it's like you're gonna have to go down to the DMV. You're gonna have to stand in line with all the grumpy people and. Uh, and then have the lady look across the desk at you like, you know, what are you doing here? And, uh, and oh, God, I have to do my job now? Are you serious? And, you know, it's like, but you would say I have business at the DMV. It's like I have to go over there and do my thing. And that is a travail. Uh, much, much easier to pay for it online and just let them mail you your tag uh, or mail you your sticker and your registration and all that stuff. But... Uh, uh, but it's interesting the way he puts this because, um, and I'm, I don't have my phone on me. Uh, the Youngs 
puts this really interesting. Um, puts it a little bit more clear. Uh, and it's something along the lines of uh, a multitude of travail brings a dream, but uh, uh, by the multitude of words is a fool's voice known. And to me, just rearranging it that way makes more sense to me. But uh, uh, but it ties in with what he was talking about before, about whether or not am I going to listen to what God has to say or am I going to argue with it and and, and explain it away and rationalize it and, and, and self-justify that by a fool's, a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. So that's a... Um, an interesting thing because some people are more ver- verbose than others. Um, I uh, I had a, a bit too much coffee the other day and I talked nonstop at someone, like just flitting from subject to subject to subject. Uh, and I knew I was doing it and I kept doing it for a little while. I was like, okay, I got to stop now. And uh, um, you know, and that's that's not necessarily what he's talking about here, but but when somebody just talks at you nonstop after a while, don't you kind of feel like, okay, it's like I, 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 can I have the talking stick now? Or, you know, uh, like, you know, isn't this supposed to be like playing catch? Like I say something, you say something. And I say something and you say something. That's sort of how a conversation is supposed to work. Um, and... One way that, that a conversation really, really doesn't work is when both people are talking at the same time to each other because you can't hear what they're saying and say what you're saying at the same time. Um, uh, being interrupted is one of my like worst pet peeves on the planet. And <laughs> we have this guy that works for us that you say about two words and then he knows what you're going to say and then he starts talking over you. And um, it's um, you know it's quite the travail for Mike because Mike is the one that has most of the conversations with him, and it's a travail for me just to sit there and listen to it. It's like, oh man, you know, and uh, and I feel irritated for Mike because he's being interrupted constantly. But um, you know, I, there are people in my family that will. Um, they will interrupt you and talk louder until you stop talking. And uh, they will look away from you and start talking to someone else uh, while you're talking. I, I told my mother once that uh, I was having an affair with an alien and that she was having my baby and that we would be sending pictures. And she kind of glanced back at me and nodded, oh, okay, cool, and went back to the other conversation that had caught her attention. And I, lo- I love my mom. She is a sweetheart, but... It's like, okay, so, yeah, what I had to say was apparently of no value, or at least not interesting enough to hold her attention, um, but uh, but we can do that with God. We can, we can come to church with this mental narrative going on the whole time that God is talking, that either we're thinking about something else, like we're we're just we're here because it's Sunday morning, but we're actually thinking about man, some pepper jack sounds really good right now. Or or you know who am I going to ask out to lunch today? Or man, I have like a mountain of laundry to do when I get home. Or whatever. And that's a travail. But um, uh, 
you know, so we can have something as innocent as that going on that prevents us from hearing what God is saying, or we can have this this narrative going on that that is is uh, contradicting what God has to say. We're arguing with it or resisting it uh, in some sort of way, and sometimes we do that because we don't like the person that's saying it, and or we don't like the way they say it, or you know, maybe we just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Uh, uh, recognizing the the voice of God as the voice of God is a really important thing. Um, and I remember years ago uh, having someone brought me this confrontation uh, with my behavior. And it was like the last person I wanted to have bring it to me. And the last person I wanted to hear it from, somebody that I would have, you know, had I been so inclined, I would have picked them apart just to be a jerk but uh, and to defend myself. But I recognized the voice of God. I was like, okay, so... Hmm. because and, and that's a perfect example of, of the sense of... Uh, the, the sacrifice of fools, because um, I could have picked at the person and been like, "Well, you have X issue and Y issue and Z issue, and, and you know, where do you get off picking on me about you know my issue?" And it's like, "Well, that's not what this is about. It's like this is about you." We we had a young man that uh, at work that. Um, uh, made some really poor choices, and once the scrutiny was on him, he started uh, throwing all these accusations at everybody else. It was, it was, everything was everybody else's fault. They were doing this, and they were doing that. And can you believe that they're doing that and all this stuff? And I was like, yeah, but this is about you. This is about what you're doing. That's what we're talking about here. It's like, we'll, we'll look into this other stuff, but that's not what we're talking about right now. And so... Um, so I recognized that what this person said to me was was the voice of God. And because I recognized the principles of the word of God in it. I was like, okay. No, they're totally right. That's yeah. And so uh rather than than give the sacrifice of fools, I listened to it and, and I decided that I was going to heed it and and hear it whether I liked it or not. And uh Sometimes somebody bringing you a message can be like castor oil. Sometimes it can be like, I don't know, like a Coke. It's like, hmm, you know, but it just depends. So stay out of trouble and you'll get the, you'll get the Coke messages, not the castor oil messages, right? But, but he says that a dream comes through the multitude of business, a multitude of travail, because God pushes us through these tough places. And I use the word push on purpose in this idea of travailing because you you come squeezed through these narrow places in your life that you don't think you could fit through. And and yet God has a way through and sometimes you come out with your head a little misshapen. You're all red and sweaty when you come out, but there you are. And um you know, so I was, you know, example from my own life. I was talking with Levi this week because he he has had this debilitating physical thing happen to him that is just 
totally changed the course of his life. And praise report, he's been like totally pain-free for like the last two or three days, and he's been eating, it's been wonderful, he's been sleeping, so praise God for that. But he's doing this schooling, which is far more difficult than public school, because public school standards are much lower, and um, uh, and he was bored there. He was just like, okay, I get this, can we move on, please? So in that respect, he likes the public or the uh, homeschool, but um, he started from the beginning of the year, and so you know he feels like he's behind, and and I, I told him, look, so you you begged and begged to be homeschooled before this happened, this whole stomach thing happened to you, and this is what you thought you wanted, and now you have it, and it's not as easy as you thought it would be. And you have this physical thing going on that is, has, has changed your life. I totally know what you're talking about. And it's like, you know, I, I did the same thing. It's like my wrist was all messed up and it like, not only did it prevent me from being able to go out and make money painting, but it, it challenged who I saw myself as as a person because that was my persona. That was who I was, was the guy that could paint stuff and, and do it really well and do it really fast. And then I, I and I thought I always thought I want to have an office job where I wear nice clothes. And then, and then once I did, it was not nearly so easy as I thought it would be. And it came with a lot of turmoil. Not not to mention, it's like I have a mortgage and a family. Mike has a mortgage and a family, and and we have we can't. There's no going back. I didn't I didn't really get get into that with him, but it's like I didn't, I didn't want to point out that this is just elementary school. It's okay. But he's going through all this stuff. And, and, and I understood that his turmoil was really real. But I talked to him about it, and I was like, you know, I get exactly what you're dealing with. And, and I understand how you feel. I really do. But I can tell you that pushing through this place is going to be like one of the best things that is ever going to happen to you. Because you're going to come through this and you would not ever want to have gone back to the way it was before. It's like, I, man, that first, those first uh, six, eight months that I was out of the field, I would have happily, happily put on my, my dirty clothes and gone back outside and painted stuff. But I couldn't. And, and it's like I got understood that I had to have something take away my options to to just stay where I was, uh, kind of like being born. All of a sudden, your pool drains out, and now it's squeezing you out. And it's like, okay, well, great. So sometimes we have to have this some kind of impetus that puts pressure on us and moves us forward. And it's and it's not comfortable. It's not easy, but. Uh, we come through those places like, wow, I would not ever want to go back to the way it was before. Because here I am three years down the road, and I would, I, I, I kind of look at, I still have my painting clothes, and I, and I kind of look at them with distaste in my, in my dresser, like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I mean, once in a while for a LARF is all right, but, eh. so, So for us to come to this place of this dream that God has 
for our life, the stream that we have of being what God wants us to be. It's going to come through that multitude of travail. And that's not to say that every day is just going to be this gut-wrenching, horrible trial, because it won't. There will be seasons that, that are, but, but you always have Him. You always have Him to fall back on. When you feel like you're sliding into, into your emotions are just falling apart and, and you're, you're just going to fall off the, the cliff at the bottom, that uh, His Word stops that slide and, and it puts something solid under your feet. And, uh, and if you crawl up in His lap and stay there long enough, that sense of this is going to be okay will, will definitely come back to you. Because not because your circumstance changed, but because he's there. Because you know he's on the throne, it's, it's going to be fine. So that's why I started out asking you. It's like so your week was as grand as mine, regardless of how uh, what what you think about your week or how it felt or how it went or how you perceive it. Your week was just as awesome as mine because God is on the throne. So. Um, So, yeah, um, I'm just going to skip down for the sake of time to verse 7. That's uh, the last thing I wanted to to mention because it mentions this word dream again. Same word. And it says, in the multitude of dreams there are many words, but there are also diverse vanities. But fear thou God. So, this word vanities, this word that appears all through the the, the Old Testament, um, they use it to describe idols. They use it to describe um, uh, like these, these worthless, empty circumstances uh, all through Ecclesiastes, as he as he puts them. Excuse me. And this, this word means it means emptiness, like and it has this sense to it, like a mist or a vapor. Because if you've ever been out on a foggy morning. It's like you can't see your hands in front of your face and, and you can feel the dampness all around you, but when the sun comes up, it vanishes. And that's kind of his, his point about this life and about the things that we deal with in this life. Uh, whether it be like a, a, a positive thing, like I have this goal and I have this, you know, this, um, this career that I'm pushing for. It's like, you know, I... Um, um, I, I, I don't want to stay in this place that I'm at forever, so I'm going to I'm going to see what I can do to grow as a person and do something better. Uh, and it can also be um, uh, can also be things that are just a waste of our time. But and what he talks about here is he talks about those things all being vanities because they're here today and gone tomorrow. Um, and so. And that's that's really a lot of what this whole book of Ecclesiastes is about. It's like, you know, the things of this life are here today, gone tomorrow. This too shall pass. And that's why he sums up this book by saying, of everything I've said, here's the sum. Keep the commandments and fear God. And so uh, so doing that is a really great thing. But he... Um, I just I think it's interesting that he puts this idea of God getting done in your life, what He wants to get done in the midst of, all, of lots and lots of travail. He puts that in this passage about 
not being foolish, but hearing what God has to say. Because sometimes we go through these vanity places, these, or I mean, we go through these these multitude of business type places, these travails, and we don't really pay any attention to what God is doing. We just sort of, and, and when I say we, I mean me. Uh, just my my knee jerk reaction is to complain, <laughs> at least to myself. You know, and uh, it's like, well, well, this is just great. This is stupid, you know. And uh, and then I'll I'll kind of painstakingly work my way through every aggravating, excruciating detail of why this is this is all vanity. And uh, actually, God often uses those things as a moment we could learn something, and as something that He wants to change in our thinking, change in our heart. Um, uh, change the way that we walk so that we can uh, so we we don't miss that if we and if we are more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools so uh, I, I am one to give God a whole multitude of words when I'm not happy about something that I'm dealing with um, but he says here a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words don't and I'm not saying don't don't talk to him about your about your problems. Have a little talk with Jesus and tell him all about your troubles. But um, but you want to be swift to hear and slow to speak, and and really uh, ask God what is it you're telling me here, and what is it that you're doing, and what are what are you wanting me to learn from this, uh, and what are, what are you trying to change in me? Because if you're paying attention. Getting on board with what God is doing can really expedite the process, and and really uh, because uh, because then He doesn't have to keep wrestling you around until you realize oh this must be something God is doing, and uh, instead of this is just a crummy day, and so um, so yeah so hearing the things that God has to say is is really important and and. Uh, you know, as much as we would like to be fairy dusted, and when I say we, I mean me. I, I was always a big fan of the the fairy dust idea until I realized it doesn't work that way, and then I, I became a man and put away childish things. But um, but going through tough stuff, it really is. It's like buying the oil, like the virgins buying the oil, and so. Going through tough places, God is very wise to put you in them where you don't really have any other way out, or where you can't back up. It's like the Red Sea closing behind the children of Israel. It's like, well, great, no going back then. So, or being stuck at the Red Sea and the Egyptian army coming down on them. It's like, okay, so, so we need a way forward that's miraculous that only God could provide because we can't go back. And uh, so, so God is very wise at how He does that, but He. He really does know how to get done the stuff that we that we need. And I was thinking of this quote. I don't remember where it came from, um, but they were they said that if you want to make a beautiful painting, um, probably somewhere in that painting you're going to have to use some dark colors. And so, you know, so not every day is going to be all happy sunshine you know, stuff. Some, there will be those days that that. That you're kind of, you know, mixing the black in your paint, like, and darkening things up. So, Jesus, we thank you 
for your word. God, and I just pray for every heart in this place. And God, starting with me, God, that that I would be swift to hear, slow to speak. God, to be ready to hear and paying attention to the things that, that we're doing. And, and looking to you, God, because um, servants take their cues from their master. God, and so we want to be paying attention to what it is that you would cue us to do. And God, we just are asking that in every situation that we deal with, God, that our hearts would be surrendered fully to you. God, that our, our ears would be open to you, to your voice, to your word. God, and that you would uh, accomplish this dream that you have for us, God, in us, as only you can do. God, uh, today in this place, God, speak to us, plant your word inside of us, and get done what only you could. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.